welcome to Lost World Minute, the Minimal Bit of a Podcast, reviewing 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 44 of the Lost World. Dave, you're still uh, enjoying your T-Rex, I see. Oh yeah. <laughs> still snapping my pictures. It's a great piece, I love everything about it, and I want everybody else to love everything about it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got a parcel in the mailbox yesterday from uh, an ebay purchase it's um not not quite as good as yours but uh a lot of little trinkets and that it's um like the empty box that the jurassic park cards came in like the display box mm-hmm. um there's a there's a complete set of cards in which would have to be my probably fifth set of jurassic park cards complete <laughs> uh, <laughs> seem to keep on getting my hands on um but also a lot of the smaller stuff uh sort of the promotional key rings or keychains from 93 um nice. one great one it's a steel or die cast one with a sort of um, red background it's got the t-rex and the brachiosaur skeleton sort of torsos and heads looking at each other um cool. just sort of brings me back to that wanting to see the t-rex out and hunting thing again mm-hmm. we've mentioned before but uh that and a couple of the like the puffy sticker sheets um they got like the the raised stickers like they got mm-hmm. a little layer of foam under them or something but um Something I definitely remember having having as a kid because I remember the Crush McCree uh, baby raptor in the eggshell um, little sticker and the little jeep and the the hel- engine helicopter and um, the map of the island and stuff like that. I probably stuck them to me wardrobe and they'll never seen again. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just it's just good to get small stuff like that. It's good good doesn't mm-hmm. take up a lot of space in the display and um, it sort of saved it from the Save it from the tip, but um, uh, I think I should tell you guys. Hammond told me these people might show up. I thought we'd be finished by the time they got started, but in case they weren't, he did send a backup plan. What backup plan? Me. Not, not a lot of news to talk about this week because uh, no news coming out from Jurassic World that uh, isn't really spoilery. So if you read Dave, will gain the forty-four. Ah, uh, sure. As we ended minute forty-three of the Lost World. Ludlow continued his speech to the board of directors. Meanwhile, out in the camp, Nick and Sarah had started opening animal cages. As we open minute 44, they come across the cage of a massive triceratops. Nick pulls out his bolt cutters and cuts the lock off the door. At 43 minutes and 14 seconds, we cut back to Ludlow and the reveal of Jurassic Park San Diego and how it was Hammond's original dream for Jurassic Park and not the Destination Island Resort in Costa Rica. At 43 minutes and 45 seconds, Ludlow says that the facility could be completed and ready to receive visitors in less than a month. Just as he says this, the Triceratops breaks through the rear of the tent, sending everything into chaos. In its rampage, it also flips and rolls the Hummer with the satellite equipment on it. Sparks fly. At 43 minutes and 54 seconds, it bellows and charges off through the camp, knocking over crates. At 43 minutes and 59 seconds, another group of hunters run, being chased by the Pachycephalosaurus. And this ends, minute 44, of The Lost World. So, we've just seen the baby Stego released, and now we've got to the big one, the trike. Which looks like a near adult. It's it's pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. 
But it's just odd. Oh, it's the only one that's got the lock cage. They've got a padlock on the door, um, mm-hmm. which Nick has to bring out the bolt cutters that he's already put back together. So I wonder if there's another locked door or fuel lines or something he's been cutting with him that you just didn't see. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, it wasn't on the Stegosaurus because that was a large bolt that they had um, going through a lot, the lock there. Yeah, well, they just had a pin, like a big, big red yeah. pin going through. Yeah, big pin. Um, I think that was the same on the, the Stegosaur and the Packy as well. But um, yeah, they got the the trike, the trike. It's bolt, bolt, bolt cutted. It's uh, it's padlocked in there. Um, as we discussed at the end of the previous minute, just the, the effects with the animatronic here, having the condensation from the breath as it bellows and snorts, mm-hmm. um, sniffing at Nick and Sarah. Um, I would have loved to see these get captured. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see them going after a full-size Triceratops. Yeah. Now, also, sort of coming from the farming background, a lot of cages and that, or you put cattle in, have an entrance and an exit. So you can walk the animal in and then walk it out. These, mm. I know, I know because of the animatronics they had me to use, but I don't know how you'd back a stegosaur into a cage when it's tranquilized. Like we've seen no sign of forklifts or anything like that to actually move the animals when they're down. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. So again, that's that's nitpicking to the nth degree. That's again the high heel defense, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, oh, where we are. We cut back to Ludlow. Um, we get the shot of the concept art for Jurassic Park San Diego behind his head, which I absolutely love. Um, I know. This, the first one that we see, I always absolutely adored. Because it shows the whole breadth of Jurassic Park San Diego. And you can even see how the, um, they built the uh, fake mountains to go extend all the way to the waterfront complex. So they would have built the um, actual park itself nearby where the uh, engine docks are. Yeah, yep. And you sort of you got a large sort of pentagon-shaped rock wall surrounding the whole area. Um, mm-hmm. I'd hope it was fairly large in case of an animal escape. But um, you also with this because the daylight sort of shot of Jurassic Park San Diego in concept form, you also mm-hmm. get a lot of outbuildings that have got that very tropical sort of thatched roof look yeah like the um like the buildings in the first movie yeah yeah but also different shapes you got some oval ones and they could mm-hmm. they, they could be a petting zoo or they could be anything but um it's just it's interesting and we'll get to it in a minute that um yeah. Ludlow says this thing's here and built and can be up and running in less than a month um but before we get there uh we get Ludlow. Mr. Hammond knew this before he even dreamt of an island. He began the construction of an amphitheater very near to where you're sitting right now, the Ingen Waterfront Complex. Uh, mm-hmm. But he abandoned in favour of something far grander and ultimately impossible. And so the facility sits unused, unfinished, when it could be completed and ready to receive visitors in less than a month. Now, yeah. that there's some nitpicks here because this implies that Hammond and Ingen built this first. This was the first idea, conception for Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, if they got to it being near complete, like you, you think, I think um, it's been made public that Jurassic Park was still about a year off or about not eighteen months off being complete and ready to receive or open the doors. 
Um, yet this is a month away from being complete. It just—it seems like a very large project to just abandon and shelve. And then, I, know, I mean, okay. it does happen. We know that the Russians, uh, or no, was it the Russians? Or it was either the Russians or the Chinese that ended up building like this, their own version of Disney World, complete with a, their own version of a castle, and like almost everything was built, and it was just. It was just like a month away from being furnished, and then they abandoned it. Okay. The, the Soviet Union fell, the entire communism collapsed, and they just didn't have any money to continue the project. Mm. But this is different because, I mean, Hammond had an extensive amount of money, so he could probably afford to just abandon this for, or maybe reopen it when, if Jurassic Park, Isla Nublar was more successful. Yeah. You know how they had... Disneyland in California and then Disney World in Florida. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but it just it's a, and to have it built and to sit there, unused, unfinished. Um, at this point, well, it's four years post the Jurassic, or three years post the Jurassic Park incident. Plus, you go back four years at a park, so it's seven or eight years <clears throat> since since they started construction on Nublar, and would have abandoned this. For it to be for it to be sitting there unused and not sort of falling into decay, um, mm-hmm. like fences and all that have to be built, pens, enclosures would all have to be built. Yeah, everything would have to be well, pretty much ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like that last that last month would have to be um, mostly taking up of maybe uh, fixtures and food, like putting mm-hmm. supplies in the in the in the areas. Um, yeah. Well, I think, too, that um, Ludlow may have been boasting just a bit because you look at this concept art and they all have uh, a couple things in common, including the moats, the fences around the moats, and how the um, entire thing was kind of uh, had dre- uh, dressings, trees all around it, and all that. The When we see the finished park later in the film, it, it has none of that. The, the moats are dug, but it has no fences around it. There's no plant furnishings, there's no lights around anything. It's pretty much all just a bunch of construction equipment surrounding some pits. And that's a good point. Of course, the amphitheater is about the only thing that's finished. Yeah, and that's a good point too, because he is sort of doing a spiel to investors to try and get more money. So mm-hmm. he, he could easily say, yeah, it's 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 finished, unused, but it can be ready to go in less than a month, so give us your money. In a couple of months, you'll see your investment returned when the doors open. And then you can deal with the delays later when they start asking, why haven't you opened? Well, this happened and that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. And that's another thing about this design. Jurassic Park San Diego was a lot safer in design than Jurassic Park Isla Nublar was. Jurassic Park Isla Nublar didn't have the, didn't have like finished concrete moats. They didn't have the, a lot of the safety features that were present in Jurassic Park San Diego aren't present in that park. And so you can kind of see how, instead of the, um, instead of the paddocks being kind of the, on the same level or kind of being in the same level with only a fence being around being around them like they are in the movie. They're not ground level. Like they are in Jurassic Park in the novel with the pits. Yeah. Uh, and the roads being higher up. Yep. You know. Yep. And it, I, I suppose you'd have a lot. Uh... 
I, I don't think you'd just have be hooked up to mains power, but you'd probably have a lot safer, a lot better power. Um, mm-hmm. Four fences as well. But then that's that's the other thing you can't forget too is Jurassic Park was far from being finished. Um, yeah. Having having a safety inspection before everything's fully up and running was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and just led to the downfall. Like if they if they didn't have the tour then. Nedry would have taken the embryos, probably got killed anyway, but there'd be him dead and maybe one other dead. They wouldn't have had to go out. Muldoon wouldn't have gone out in the Jeep to rescue the, the tourists. He would have been there getting the help and getting power back on, and the park may have survived afterwards. They would have had a second death on their hands, but yeah. after what Nedry done, I don't think many would know about it. It wouldn't be going to the lawyers anyway like the uh, gate warden or the gatekeeper did. But, but it's also here... He says here, um, very near to where you're sitting right now at the Ingen Waterfront Complex. Now, mm-hmm. very near to where you're sitting tells me that Ingen Headquarters is in San Diego. Yeah. Um, this pretty much confirms it as far as I'm concerned. Um, whether it's actually at the Ingen Waterfront Waterfront Complex, mm-hmm. um, because it's either very near to where you're sitting right now, and then there should be a comma at the, um, as in you're in San Diego and it's at the waterfront complex, or very near to where you're sitting right now at the complex, meaning they're sitting at the waterfront complex. Um, yeah. But I just I just love it. It's been brought up before. I can't recall where. Um, this large amphitheater and it's a massive structure is just sitting there in the, in the San Diego dock area, um, with the big Jurassic Park stencil font above the gates um, mm-hmm. all these large fences now that uh, the daylight concept art sort of shows there's nothing really in the area um, traffic wise building wise so it sort of seems to be in a, a, a secluded area in, at San Diego yeah. um, but just permits um, all that sort of stuff building permits and how how do you get this past the local government agencies? Yeah, really. That may possibly have been another reason that Hammond decided to move the project to um, to Costa Rica because, I mean, just the bureaucracy of the United States is a hell to get through. So he may have been having trouble getting permits for everything he wanted yeah. or they were taking too long. And he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to build this down where there's le- going to be less trouble, you know? Yeah, too much red tape. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that's and that's sort of alluded to a lot in Jurassic Park, the novel, where InGen are down in Costa Rica because they're away from um, the government sanctions and all that in cloning and they can sort of do what they want. Um, mm-hmm. It's not until the Lost World that we discover, well, they can do what they want on Sauna as well and no one knows about it. Um Mm-hmm. Which I suppose here again in film, film canon, well, sauna now exists. Um, the labs there, they can do what they want there research-wise, and then just ship the animals back to San Diego to populate the park. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the concept, because this is all original concept art for the movie itself, and not just for this scene. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the second uh, shot we get of the close-up of the amphitheater shows something that we don't see in the other one. It shows, like, little restaurants or something at the base of the amphitheater. Hmm. 
But the color scheme that they chose for it is almost hellish. It's nightmarish in a way. Whoa. I mean, I would not want if, if I was financing this project and I was being shown this, I'd be like, "That's a bit scary looking." Yeah. You know? Well, it's a night. It's a nighttime sort of scene, and you just got the floodlights illuminating everything. But even uh-huh. even the uh, any sort of window light is just sort of sending reflections and streaks across uh, the surroundings. It's sort of it's almost like a bomb just went off in the middle of the amphitheater, and you got that flash coming out of all the all the windows and everything. Um, uh-huh. And even the yeah. even the Jurassic Park written above the gate isn't the font we normally know. It's sort of a uh, like an amusement park, creepy. Yeah, it's almost stylish in a way, you know. Yeah, it almost looks like like a Goosebumps abandoned amusement park sort of cover. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's just. Having having it ready to receive visitors in less than a month, it just must be coming across as uh, him gloating and wanting wanting money to sort of please the investors. Um, and then we, we get a good look at this miniature on the table too. I love how you got the mm-hmm. little red lights on the fences flashing, um, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the the spotlights above the amphitheater all on, um, which would have been little LEDs at the time, I'd imagine. But um, yeah. I want I want that I want that prop. <laughs> It'd be it'd be a great prop to have it. It's not. I don't think it's the uh, miniature they used to film on later on because I'm pretty sure there's. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different miniature. They used a they used a much larger miniature. Yeah, that, and they just like a little remote control car through it. Yeah, because there's a I know there's this a photo of um, people standing in the middle of it and sort of waist height. Yeah. Or a little bit taller. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that when we get there later on with. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the lack of construction that's going on there at the moment, but um, uh, we get him, he, he, as he's sort of sitting there saying it's unfinished, unused, he's walking back around the table again, which is a good thing because of what's about to happen. Um, mm-hmm. That little monitor's got the map of new, uh, Sauna back up again, and it's a pretty clear shot. You've got a, uh, like a topograph, or topographic um, bar on the side with something, yeah. even though it's all blue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what that'd be, but um, we can get to the jump scare with the uh, trike bursting through the rear of the tent. Yeah, it just goes bam. Yeah. You know? Yep. And you get the sudden shift in the score as well. Um, uh huh. So uh, you'd think leading up to this that the the score sort of intensifying is maybe um, Nick and Sarah getting caught doing what they're doing, but no, it's leading to this. Um, it's lucky Ludlow walked around towards the uh, the compy side of the table because the trike comes through and goes through the right hand side. Um, funnily enough, uh, speaking of the uh, tonal change in the score, I mean it's kind of interesting how you got the original Jurassic Park theme just playing nice and whimsical and oh. light, and all of a sudden it goes, you know? Yeah, yep. And it's the subtle little hints back at the Jurassic Park theme in this film I love. Just that. They slowed it down and um, yeah. just sort of hinting at it. It's not full out reusing it like they did in Jurassic Park 3 mm-hmm. and in Jurassic World as well, where it's just not needed at all. But it's, it's interesting as the trike comes busting through, the uh, the compies and the miniature don't get touched. They um, The whole tent gets sort of trapped on top of the uh, trike and pulled away. And sort of, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like that. Uh, that trick of pulling the tablecloth out from under the glassware. 
<laughs> the yeah. trike comes through and just the tent just goes voot with it and um, the table and um, the compies or the compy cages are still there anyway as it runs it sort of comes through the tent hits the uh, the hummer with the satellite dish on the back of it and flips it over which yeah it flipped it over um, I can't recall now did it it land back on its wheels or did it land on its roof um, I think it may have landed on the roof. Yeah, well, that explains that, because if it's sitting there for a while upside down, oil's going to leak um, out of the motor. But it's, it'd be one of the vehicles that didn't have its gas lines cut, um, being so close to the tent and all. But um, it goes over, there goes the satellite dish and the communications. Um, mm-hmm. And then and it sort of, we get a, a different shot here where uh, I always thought the camera had been anchored um, sort of in this alleyway where you got tents down the side. Um, it's just another area of the camp. But um, yeah, and the, I think it was in the uh, storybook version of the, or not the storybook, but the um, the novelized or yeah, the junior novelization. The um, it mentions how the Triceratops, as it's running, as it's panicking and flying out of the camp, it um, the thing on it is spreading all the fires all around because they have uh, they had a row of campfires all set up around with some nice uh with some nice little rocks around it mm. so the triceratops is just uh smashing down the tents and burning them all down as he as he um moves and that's what and that's actually what catches the fuel the gasoline in the fuel lines is the um burning tents and that and that makes more sense with the way it sort of just charges around. Like I don't I don't know what would have caused it to just full on charge through a tent to start with, instead of just escaping. Um, but even even then, like you got as it hits the uh, the Hummer, you got the tent draped over, which of course is to hide the fact that it's animatronic on a trolley mm-hmm. on, a, on a dolly. But um, yeah, that is said. I'm pretty sure it's in the first script too. That as it's running around, that tent's on fire and it's spreading, spreading the flames everywhere. But um, yeah, but we get this shot here, and um, this is probably one of my most unfavorable parts in the film, where uh, the trike it bellows, it turns around, and runs off off screen through some uh, through some uh, crates, and then. Um, Pretty much as it goes, you get another group of hunter coming from behind screen, running down this trackway beside the tents, being chased by Packy. Um, no, being chased by the parasol office, sorry. Um, and, and then you got the compies just kind of on the ground there, fleeing in every which direction, you know? Yeah, yeah, then the... Um, then you got the, the minute ends with uh, another group of hunters sort of running across the screen with a Packy head down charging mm-hmm. at it sort of all you need here is the Benny Hill music where you've got hunters going into different doors and finding <laughs> finding dinosaurs like in another film I'd find it funny but I just I'm not a fan of it here they've, they've put the camera into one spot and just had animals going every which direction um, mm-hmm. you see and I was going to say and yeah there's a gal Mimus here that we also didn't see him catch yeah looks like there's maybe two of them yeah but also here too in the background you see you got a Hummer parked in the background you've got four or five Jeeps that are parked really close together which would make mm-hmm. Nick's job a lot easier and when the fuel starts going and they all start catching on fire it sort of makes things 
a lot more self-explanatory too, how they all sort of go up in flames because they're all parked so mm-hmm. close together. Um, it's interesting here too, there's a tent off to the side that's... Uh, actually, I think it's an experiment where we see Dita again, but uh, they've got a stack of spare tyres as well, which is interesting, like they come prepared. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just just not a fan. It's, 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 a, it's a real Spielberg thing, just having... All, all this stuff happening in the one shot. Um, but I'm really... Uh, I'm really... I, do like, I do like the views and the shots that we get of the CGI track here. Because, I mean, I always enjoyed Triceratops when I was a kid. And we get some great shots of the Triceratops in this part of the, in this part of the movie that we really don't get anymore after this. Well, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's good to see it actually up and walking... I was going to say, yeah, after this scene, we really don't get to see herbivores be um, antagonistic anymore, you know? Well, we don't see any herbivores again after now, do we? No, actually. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, it's really just the raptors and the rex from here on out, but um, it's it's interesting when the when the trike does get the tent off its head and it sort of turns around bellows, it's standing right on top of the fire. Um, yeah. Whether that's just an issue with the CG where they um, where they placed it, if things didn't line up or or what have you, but it would explain why it's bellowing and wanting to charge off because it just had its belly burnt, but it, yeah. it doesn't really react to the fact that it's standing right in the middle of the fire. <laughs> it's possibly a placement issue because I also know that the tail goes through somebody's head. I mean, I mean, it just phases right through uh, one of the actors' heads. Oh wow, I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Anyway, anything else on forty-five you want to bring up before we get out of here? So, yeah, I think we're good. That's a good minute. We get some great backstory too, Jurassic Park. Um, I suppose we brought up when uh, Hammond started the uh, started his little briefing or conference that. Um, is looking for money to cover some of the expansion costs. And I wonder if this could have been literally rewritten slightly to say that um, they'd start construction on the amphitheatre halfway through the construction of Jurassic Park and it was going to be the next expansion. Um, but then it's sort, of, mm-hmm. it's sort of weird having both of them on continental United States and not having a Europe or a, uh, Japan somewhere else. But I suppose, as as you said before, Disney sort of Disney was LA and Florida before it moved to Europe and mm-hmm. overseas as well. But, yeah. Oh, um, well, uh, Ingen was kind of always and Ingen and Jurassic Park were always kind of meant to be uh, by Crichton to be the dark side of Disney. Yeah. And so there's a lot of it that's based off of Disney, not heavily, but it's kind of loosely based off Disney as a company. And how they started off in the United States, and they, then you had Walt Disney World Japan, you had Walt Disney World Europe, stuff like that. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah, and they even get their little dig in in Jurassic Park with Hammond. The same when uh, Disney opened, even though it's the wrong date. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Plenty to talk about there. So, uh, Dave, anything else on forty-five you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. All right. Alright guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can 
an email feedback to the Lost World Minute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.